You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, podcast people? Welcome to the show. This is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I'm your host, John Hutzpeth. It has been a crazy week. Uh, This coming weekend is the Backwoods Show in Oklahoma City. By the time y'all listen to this, the show has already happened. That's just kind of the way things roll, unfortunately, for me. But uh, anyway, been working like a madman this week to try to get uh, everything ready. One, I am taking off work Friday uh, trying to get off early tomorrow, which is Thursday, to to get up to Oklahoma City and get set up. Uh, I had to build my display. I had to get critters to hang on my display. Um, I got all my hats and shirts rounded up. Uh, I got to find somewhere to sit. Uh, I got I ordered one of those little credit card swiper deals for when people pay for the shirts and hats. I have no idea how to use it. So just kind of been running around like crazy ever since I got home from work. And I also had to get this podcast out for you guys. Or I got the joy of getting this podcast out to you guys. And so i uh, not going to shortchange this one because I had a heck of a weekend. And also have a really ins- exciting interview to get to you guys afterwards. But uh, last weekend I had one of the best outdoor weekends I've had in a long time. Had a great time, uh, and so I want to tell you guys about it. Uh, Friday, got up there, and uh, it had been killing me that I don't have a place at my house to shoot my traditional bow very far. Um, Not necessarily that I don't have the room, but I just don't have the setup because I'm obviously not very good with it. You know, when I back up to further distances, it's kind of just a guess at first, uh, and I'm just not that skilled yet, so I don't trust myself. Uh, and so I waited till I went out to the ranch and got a nice big round bell set up for it. Uh, I scooted back all the way to 30 yards and it was awesome. Uh, man, like I, I don't know what about it. Like shooting a compound bow at 30 yards is like just not that big of a deal, but you get that trad bow 30 yards just seems like forever away. 
and I've really been wanting to figure out my point on distance, as they call it in the trad world. So uh, I've I've been doing gap shooting, and so you basically you use the tip of the arrow. And you put, you know, whatever distance you're at, you put a certain amount of gap between the tip of your arrow and what you're aiming at. And uh, you normally, for most people, you're aiming below the target because your eye is above the arrow. And so you're kind of looking down on it. And so as you move back, your arrow actually becomes closer to the point you're aiming at. And there's some magical distance for every shooter to where basically the arrow is pointing directly at what you're shooting at. And that's what I've been trying to figure out. And for most people, it's usually in like the 28 to 35 yard range. That's just kind of how it works out. Uh, and I, I figured out I'm pretty close at 30 yards. Um, you know, honestly, I need to get a little bit better, just a little more skillful before I can really lock that down. But right at 30 yards, I was shooting pretty darn good, um, you know, pretty darn level. And so that was very exciting. I was very happy to do that Friday and just having a blast, just just launching arrows, honestly. Just, uh, I mean, like I was trying to be careful. I was trying to work on my form, but it was just fun to get back there and launch arrows. So I had a great time doing that Friday. Saturday was the exciting day. Um, I was really excited to do some habitat work. You know, this is the time of year that you should be doing all the, the burning, the chainsaw work, um, all that type of stuff. And I have kind of, I wouldn't say I've put it to the side, but just haven't been able to do much of it recently. So I was really excited about that. So, uh, headed out to the ranch. I strapped my chainsaw to the back of the four wheeler, uh, had a backpack with a little bit of gear in it and took off. Um, and so before I headed back to the back where I was going to do all my habitat work though, I went to one of our pastures that we, uh, plant with oats and stuff through the Bermuda grass. And we normally just find, it's like an easy place to find sheds. Like normally you just drive around, uh, it's grazed down. So the grass isn't very tall and we almost always find, you know, two or three sheds out there. Um, and I was trying to figure out basically if it was time to really shed hunt or not, because, most of our deer hold their antlers, you know, at least into the first week of March. Um, so I figured that'd be a good place to go check, see if I found any antlers, and basically figure out if it was worth my time to look for more. So drove out there, didn't find a single antler, covered it pretty good. And so I was like, all right, time to get to work. So headed to the back. and uh, But I have, you know, my big food plot in the very back. And uh, I was like, all right, I might as well drive back there and check it for sheds too. So uh, I'm making a loop and... Uh, Lo and behold, I actually look over and I see this bright white antler sticking up. And so shut the four-wheeler off, walk over there, and like I actually found a shed while shed hunting. And y'all have heard me talk about it. I'm the world's worst shed hunter. Like I just, I'm not good at it. I don't know if the deer just don't bet on us, if I don't know where to look. I don't know what the deal is, but I just, I never find sheds like when I'm looking for sheds. A lot of the ones I find are just when I'm out there working or driving around and just like happen upon one. But so the fact that I found one shed, I was pretty stoked about. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, keep covering this food plot, uh, hop back on the four wheeler, drive a little further and look over. And I think I see another one. So I shut the four wheeler off, walk over there. And for the first time in my entire life, I myself found two sheds sitting side by side, like a match set. Like, the deer was obviously walking, laying, whatever. It was right on the edge, so I figured the deer was walking. And just pop, pop, both horns uh, or antlers fall off. And they were just laying there side by side. It was awesome. It was a, a, a more mature, I wouldn't say super mature. He's a, I'm pretty sure he's a four-year-old eight-point. Um, had a bunch of pictures of him. I actually passed him during rifle season. Had a cool encounter with him. 
so that was a really cool experience for me. So now I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like three sheds. Like this is the best day ever. Drive a little further. Another bright white spot. Get over there. And it was actually a shed from last year, which like just to prove how bad of a shed hunter I am. Uh, like I shed hunted this food plot last year. Didn't find this antler, obviously. Uh, I mowed this plot at least once, if not twice, and didn't see the antler. I took the dozer back there and back drug it because it was you know real bumpy and I didn't want to run the plow over it. Uh, so I drug, I mean a good good portion of this food plot, uh, and then I went back there and I sprayed it, and I went back there and I planted it. During all that, I never found this shed. Uh, and obviously, like, while I was doing all that, you know, I was looking around, walking around. I hunted this plot all year. And uh, so I don't know how many times I just named that I was in this plot. Never found this shed, but found it this year. So now I had my first one, the match set, and then this holdover. So now I'm, like, I'm very amped up. I'm like, all right, I got to keep, like, it's shed time. Got to keep looking. And so I decided to uh, head back through this open gate that kind of leads back to where most of the deer filter out from, you know, where they bed. And uh, sure enough, I get, you know, 40, 50 yards through the gate, and I find the other side to the first shed I had found. So now I have two match sets uh, and a holdover from last year. And so didn't find any more but that i mean that right there just made it like my best shed hunting day ever five sheds uh four from that year one from the previous year and so i was basically on cloud nine just from that Uh, i did drive around a little bit more looking for more didn't find any more i also kind of as i was driving around i realized that i had left a bunch of cameras out that i hadn't even checked honestly since deer season ended and so made a pretty good loop picking up all those cameras and uh and then finally uh got to do a little habitat work and so i fired up the chainsaw cut for a good 20 minutes uh and i brought my camera along so hopefully i can you know make a a film out of all this and show you guys on youtube i'm pretty determined to do that i know i've talked about doing filming in the past and haven't come through uh but i'm pretty determined to basically show you guys kind of the process i'm going through to create these bedding areas uh that i talked with uh, adam about a few weeks ago and so I, uh, I mean, where I was cutting, it was so thick that I couldn't even really see to film. And so I cut for about 20 minutes, cut, I mean, at least 50 to 75 cedars in that 20 minutes, uh, cleared out a little room, a uh, little space, you know, about the size of a good sized living room, uh, went and got the camera filmed a little bit. And then that was when it hit me that I had remembered all my tools. I had remembered all my filming stuff but I had forgotten water and uh, I had already been, you know, driving around, walking around, working for a good three hours now. And so I decided it was worth it to go back to the truck and get some water. Uh, And like, you know, y'all heard me talk about it before, like where I deer hunt and where I park in my brother's house and everything. It's a good, you know, mile to a mile and a half uh, on the four wheeler. So it's not like you just run up there real quick. And so decided to go back to the truck, got some water, I was at the truck, it was like 1 o'clock or 1.30, and I was like, man, I might as well just run to town real quick and grab some lunch. So, ran to town, ran through a drive-thru, get back, completely forgot that it was supposed to start raining that afternoon. Uh, so, I get back, and uh, I picked up some corn to get one of my feeders running because I want to do some hog hunting with the trad bow to get some practice before deer season. And so, loaded the corn on the four-wheeler, drove to one of my feeders, threw the bags of corn in there, and uh, my wife texts me, and you know we'd just been talking a little bit, and uh, she said something about like, is it not raining there? 
And that's when it dawned on me, oh crap, it's raining. And I'd left my chainsaw and all my camera gear back where I'd been working. And so I pull up the radar and sure enough, it was supposed to start raining in like 15 minutes. So fly back up there. I'm looking at the sky, trying to decide if I can keep working or not. And while I'm trying to decide, I start hearing tick, 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 and it started raining. And so throw my camera in the bottom of my pack, load everything else up, and fly to the house in the rain. Mile and a half long four-wheeler ride in the rain. Uh, So that pretty much did it for the habitat work, unfortunately. Um, I'm definitely going to go back and do more. Um, One thing that was kind of cool while I was driving around, picking up my cameras and looking for sheds, I was kind of laying out in my mind uh, and prioritizing like, okay, this is where I want to cut. This is how I'm going to cut it. Uh, I want to do, you know, this spot first, then this spot, then this spot. And so even though I didn't get a whole lot of actual cutting done, it was still a very good, you know, productive weekend because I really got things kind of lined out how I want them. Uh, it rained from basically like, I don't know, three o'clock till I don't know when after I went to bed. And so I woke up Sunday morning, everything was drenched wet. Um, it was actually a pretty nice day. It was nice and sunny, still a little chilly. But between it being, you know, really wet, soggy, and muddy, uh, I also had to go pick up my buck from the taxidermist. Uh, we had planned to meet uh, after he got out of church on Sunday, so I was on a little bit of a time crunch. It was really muddy, so I decided not to go back to Chainsaw uh, on Sunday. Instead, I had a fishing pole with me and went to one of our little ponds that I'm, I'm really wanting to convert into a good fishing pond. Uh, kind of to one, just to fish it a little bit. Uh, we've never caught any fish out of it, but supposedly it used to hold a lot of nice fish. And so I'm considering maybe doing a little stocking job on it. Uh, but also just kind of wanted to check it out. Um, I had never looked at it that closely as far as, you know, wanting to be able to fish it. And, uh, unfortunately I did notice that the dam is giving away. Um, water was going over the center of the dam instead of out of the spillway. So before I do any fixing on it, uh, I'm going to have to work on the dam. And so, uh, but again, it was kind of like that's was the whole point of the that fishing adventure was to basically figure out one if there was any fish in there, which I'm not so sure there is, and two just kind of check out the pond. And so, like I said, overall great weekend. Got my buck from the taxidermist, found some sheds, uh, did some scouting. So just a fantastic weekend. So absolutely no complaints. And uh, this coming weekend, I'm ready to head to the Backwoods Show and meet you guys, hang out with you guys. Very excited about it. Um, Like I said, by the time this comes out, the show will have already happened, so I hope that I met you. Uh, Yeah, I hope you got to come out to the show. Uh, So yeah, so that's all my weekend plans. Uh, Put a bow on that. Let's move on to the actual show today. Today we have returning guest Dwayne Carter. Um, I was trying to remember when I had him on last. I think it was uh, late summer. Uh, But he came on and talked about coyote hunting last time he was on. Um, But I've got to know him a little bit better, kind of, you know, through him coming on and through other people. And Dwayne is a heck of a devoted deer hunter as well. He's very passionate about it. Um, He talks about the bow hunting league a lot. You know, we had Ben from the bow hunting league on a couple months back. Uh, But anyway, Dwayne and his team at one point were leading it. I think they ended up finishing in fourth place. Um, But Dwayne talks about some success he had. And then towards the end of the season... He had just a heartbreak of an ending to his season, and uh, he kind of joked when I called him up and and asked him to talk about it on the show. He kind of joked that at least I gave him a little time, you know, to to get over it before I asked him to come on. But uh, no, he was a great sport about it. Uh, it's a great story. He does have a little cell phone trouble. Um, it's a little fuzzy at the beginning, but it gets better as you go through it. So if you don't mind sticking with us through that, uh, absolutely great episode with Dwayne today. 
and I hope you guys really enjoy it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet now. <laughs> I know y'all aren't here to to hear me ramble on. So uh, yeah, without further ado, here is my interview with Dwayne Carter. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today. And today we have returning guest Dwayne Carter. How you doing today, Dwayne? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying this nice weather we have for a change. Uh, no complaints there. Uh, well, how you been lately? You, you were on, man, when was that? Last late summer, early fall, something like that? Yeah, but fall summer, I think, maybe. Somewhere in there. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. Uh, before, right before the deer season. Yep, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. And last time you were on, you were talking about coyotes, but uh, you know, you're an accomplished deer hunter as well, and so that's what we got you on to talk about today. And um, but real quick before we jump into that, why don't you just remind everybody who you are, where you're from, and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Dwayne Carter. I'm from Prague, Oklahoma, currently. Um, I do a little bit of my own videoing and editing, mainly coyotes and pigs with thermal. Um, all my deer hunts, I, I let the guys on Outdoor Nation TV air them on TV first, and then and, and I get to play with the, the footage afterwards. A great group of guys. Uh, matter of fact, this whole story that you're fixing to hear will probably air this spring on Outdoor Nation TV, local channel 52, I believe. So uh, pretty good pretty good year we had. Uh, had some ups and downs for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Yep. And uh, I'm most excited to hear the downs, I think. Um, you're, I mean, you're probably not quite as excited to relive them, but, uh, but I think a lot of people can learn from them. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a heck of a story, you know, even though it didn't turn out as well as you would have hoped. But, uh, uh, but yeah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to you and just let you kind of take us through your season because you did have some success and some good hunts. And so uh, why don't you just, you know, kick it off and kind of start at the beginning and work your way through. All righty. I'm sitting here just going to my iPad, looking at game camera pictures and helping me relive the, the season. Uh, early season, I had a couple of really, really great deer found in Gilbert. And uh, one, I've known this deer for, for two years, a big 10 point. He threw off a bunch of mass and extras and pigs moved in. And this deer was notorious for, for daylight early October. Anyway, a pig on this piece of property and just flat out ran him off. Mm. I tried to kill pigs as much as I could. and It was too late. I never heard of any of the neighbors killing him. Um, it was all year long. I never picked him back up. I don't know where he moved to or what happened to him. But then, but then a deer that had right behind the house, I picked him up in September and he died the year before in December. I call him homeboy because he was—he's always been to show up right behind the house on on my game camera here, and uh, he lost his eyes December the, the previous year, and he had the potential to be a superstar. I mean, he had all the extras, he had good time length, good mass, you know, all the non-typicals that could potentially blow up and be in the seventies easy the next year. Well, with his eye injury, he had. He had a pretty weak side, so what if she took claim to him, and she ended up getting getting him killed during the first year. Still a great-looking 15-point, and mm. I think he broke her off soft 10 inches, and he's still 140-inch deer. Wow. Another deer, so, you know, it was awesome deer for her. Yeah, we got that on video, and... Mm-hmm. And it was it was a personal, you know, she killed pigs before, and she'd been coyote hunting with me, and 
never had any luck with but she finally decided she wanted to she wanted to go deer hunt and that wasn't quite a deer that i wanted to eat uh you know a, a great first deer for her mm-hmm. so we started out the season pretty good season i started finding some deer um i had a deer that i hunted the year before jack uh videoed him the friday after rifle season the the previous year he was at nonticle 170 something injured and I'm in this bow hunting league. Have you heard of the bow league? I know you have. Uh-huh, yep. You were in it. <laughs> I did, yep. um, My team didn't do near as good as yours, but I was in it. My buddy, yeah, my buddy Chris Hammond, he finds bow hunting league. And anyway, he, uh, I shot uh, that deer the year before in 2020. My fire buck, 170 and two, two, two shoots at 160 in Kansas. And our partner, he didn't, he didn't pick up anything. He was pretty busy moving and whatnot. So, you know, we still made a fair good showing. Um, and then, so I'm, I'm basically leaving my rifle at the house. Well, travel season, this giant deer walks 120 yards, drives a bow. I find him, long story short, I find him again last year. And I get permission to hunt on a piece of property a half a mile closer to his core. And I get him figured. I start getting him on camera around the middle of October. And the Wednesday of Black Powder season, he showed up the very last minute at 80 yards on a crosswind set. I I hunt crosswind. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to notice him if there's a straight north wind. I use it as a blocker, as a wind blocker. Mm-hmm. And then I put my corn 35 yards straight to the east of me. It was north wind or a northwest wind. He would skirt the east side and then he would come into my set. If there was any northeast wind, he would circle the whole time. He would come in from my side, which, you know, I, I can't hunt him like that. He, he would be, he would end up bust. Anyway, I got him figured out. Um, had an encounter with him, and that Friday before I had another north wind, they came in and dozed the whole mm. and turned him nocturnal. Still got a few pictures of him. He ended up moving off, and I got a buddy who ended up uh, picking him up about a mile and a half down the creek. I got intermission mm. because I had history with that deer, and then and, and it was kind of slow for me. I had some some good deer mm-hmm. but i have not eat deer and one of my farmers um he contacts me he's like man I, i've been seeing this big deer on this one new piece of property that i got i killed wheat and everything like you've been doing it. and so when he no children on every single opening it started drawing a lot of pieces of property and um he tells me about this one, so I go in here. Within two days, I of a of a great deer, a shooter. You know, one he probably would have been close to one fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, he had one brow tine broken off, and I think I I think I had pictures of him November the sixteenth is when I finally picked him up. I think, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see, November the. November the 19th, I got him killed. So I've only been on this property for three days. I done found a deer. Uh, I made two good sets, and cold front came in. The first south went after a cold front. I'm sitting in a little old bitty barn that he had for a shooting house, but he had he had the whole front wide open. So I went in, and I screwed some OSB over the top 
of it, mm-hmm. got me some ribbon some paper, and I closed it all up. And I was like, I'm gonna try to shoot him with my bow out of this out of this barn. Mm-hmm. I call it I call it a little barn. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, very first time I hunted the dude, it'd been three days. I moved his cell phone camera in there, and he'd been gone for three days. And and I shot a dagger buck in 2019, and that's what he would do. He would lock down with the doe. He would disappear for three days, and as soon as he'd come out of lockdown, he'd start hammering my corn. Mm-hmm. He'd hammer it, hammer it, hammer it, and he'd hit it, and he'd leave for three hours, and he'd come back and he'd hit it again. He'd leave for three hours. And then he'd come back, he'd hit it again. And the, the very first night that I got fished for this deer, he did that same thing. He hid the corn. He left for about three hours. He'd come back, he hit the corn. He left for about three hours. He'd come back, he hit the corn, and disappeared. And then he was gone for the same day. Every day I called my partner, Chris Hammond, who's on the bow hunt list. I'm like, dude, he's going to do the same thing that the dagger, just the third day, he's more likely going to come out of lockdown mm-hmm. and come and hit my corn. I barely get off the phone with Chris, and this dude walks up in front of me, and it's freezing that morning. It's like, you know, 17 degrees, mm-hmm. and, you know, November the 19th. So it's the first real, real, real cold day of freezing to death. This dude walks up, and I don't even have time to arrange him. He's about 40 yards maybe. And I, anyway, I got the video camera rolling and, and got him shot, perfect shot. Mm-hmm. He didn't go there. And, and I was on the board. Our other teammates, Scott Langley, he's – He'd already gone to Kentucky and fell, but in an open a weekend, he shot a 178. And, you know, here I knocked down 100, 140 inch. He ended up being 140 inch deer, 139 and 6 eighths. Mm-hmm. When I picked up my very first picture of him, he, he had one brow behind him. He had one broken off. Mm-hmm. By the time that he showed back up, I'd never even gotten another picture of him. He had his other brow time off. But, <laughs> you know, you get a 150 inch frame deer, I'm not turning on the mm-hmm. bundle for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, was this the first time you ever hunted this property at all, or just this year? Um, this year. I had been on it, and I, I walked around it, and scouted it, and shed hunted it, mm-hmm. and we're in there doing so much work to it, John. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm. Uh, they've got every deer around the county. You know, they were brush hogging. It was thick, nasty, nasty stuff. Um, I, took, I actually took the guys with uh, – uh, whitetail cribs they came down and did, a, did an episode over my over my man cave and we went in there and trying to turkey and i found a found a really good deadhead out there hmm. while we were turkey hunting and, and then i was like yeah maybe i ought to maybe i ought to give this place another look and then the landowner was telling me about this big hill i put a game camera up on that hill and then he told me where he'd until drilled some clover and we down the bottom field and i put a camera down there. the bottom fields where i ended up getting pictures of this deer first mm. and anyway I, I get this deer in and i'm tickled so i run up immediately to to my other set and i'm looking at my on it 572 yards away caddy cornered across this 160 acres and that deer that i killed was at that camera 20 minutes before i killed him mm. So in twenty minutes, so in twenty minutes time, that deer will get over a quarter mile, which that's not, you know, that's not really. Yeah. But you know, just for him to go exactly from point A to point B mm-hmm. and in front of me, I thought that pretty cool. Yeah. Well, when I went and checked that camera. I found the pictures of him, and then I found, I'm pretty sure the deer that broke this deer's brow tines, mm. a g- giant nine, you know, uh, probably an the upper 50s nine point mm-hmm. and looked like he was i mean this deer from the game camera pictures i'll send you some pictures of him in velvet nothing really 
they said he was a six-year-old deer. I mean, he was just great. I mean, he was a great deer, pretty deer. He just moved, you know, nine inches of the mm-hmm. But Regardless, I find this, uh, this other deer, white, Roman nose, big bodied, big everything, and then green dead. And I set up up lined up that day with the deer laying dead in the bed of my pickup <laughs> and was coming back to hunt it that evening. And uh, still didn't have a set up on that set. Come on, pictures my buddy Matt Willis kick pictures of my deer and, and you know, get him hung up and taped out and deboned and I'm back in the blind by like three o'clock. And now that evening, um, you know, I'm watching these deer popping off as well. And I'm, I'm making a plan to, for it to get good and dark. And I'm sneaking out the back door of my blind and trying to get out undetected. I get out of the blind and I get about 10 yards from it. And apparently this, this big guy granddad circled my whole set mm. and caught my scent cone and winded me. And when he hit the tree line, was running off. It sounded like two bullets got sideways running through the trees. I was like, oh, great. That's him. Anyway, I used to have projects for rifle season, and I never, I hunted that, I hunted that, that set for a week straight. Maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty well every day for a day, just, just trying to get a chance at that deer because I knew, um, you know, I knew he was a, a mid to upper 150s deer. Mm-hmm. And in that time, my partner, Chris Hammond, you know, he goes up northwestern Oklahoma and he tags out in one set, shoots a, a six or seven year old, uh, 135 inch deer, and then 20 minutes to a six year old, 158 and four eighths inch deer. Mm. So that kind of put, that kind of put the pressure on me. Uh-huh. Uh, in that time, in that time, they uh, they logged us in for first place in the bow hunting league out of 790 teams nationwide. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, man, uh, more than likely Chris isn't going to get to upgrade because he's, he's got a 158 and some change. And Scott Langley, he just shot his, you know, his biggest biggest to date, a, a one-second-grade. Our score as a total is more than likely me. Not saying that they can't shoot mm-hmm. bigger than 170 or 158, but I've got the best chances to upgrade. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, with the smaller deer, you know, with the 140. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I finally I finally give up on Granddad after after hunting him and leaving cell phone cameras out there for two weeks. I'm I'm marking him off that he got shot uh, during rifle season, and uh, so I start going around and I'm. You know, normally I'm I'm down to a few deer hunting a few deer come the middle to end of October, and I'm looking. I now I got to shoot a 150. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to upgrade for this bow hunting league, mm-hmm. and I've got 140. I got 140s kind of around every corner almost it seemed like last year, but I couldn't find the upgrade. Mm-hmm. And so I actually called the. I called, I called one of my farmers, one of my best farmers has got some really good ground. And, and I said, I'm not going to say his name, but I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in this bow hunt league. I'm looking for a deer. This is the deal. It's nationwide. It's a pretty cool little thing. Uh, have you seen any big deer? And he said, Wayne, I seen the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life over on this wheat field, broad daylight last week, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I've been trying to get your cousin to go over here and hunt. And you know, you and your cousin for years. And it's, 
just one of them pieces of property where you don't even think a deer hunt it. There's, it's it's long, narrow. There's a wheat field in there, and there's like two ditches going through it. There's not a tree you could hang a stand in. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm trying to video also, so it doesn't look very appealing to me. But he says, you know, he's a farmer and he's seen quite a few deer. He says there's big deer over there. I went out there that day and hung out his hung a cell phone camera up. And two days later, I get pictures of this giant typical ten point, mm-hmm. like mid mid to high 60s maybe low 70s mm-hmm. typical like the biggest typical i've ever had anything to do with and i'm like oh my gracious <laughs> so i'm sending these pictures to to chris to chris and scott and they're like there he is that's him and i was like yeah i gotta i don't know what in the world to do because it's just two ditches there's not a tree bigger than your leg on the property mm-hmm. and so i went out there let me ask you a question real quick i went to go ahead <laughs> so at this point in your mind what is more important to you getting this thing killed for the bow hunting league or getting it on film for the show? I mean, did that thought ever cross your mind? Like, do I, do I have to give up one or the other? It, it, it did. And I'm stubborn mm-hmm. and hard headed and I wanted the, I wanted the cake and I wanted to eat it both. Mm-hmm. So I did put down, I started running a mirrorless, uh, Sony, mm-hmm. uh, a 7C this year, which they're a little bit more difficult to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put it down and I picked up my cannon, uh, point and shoots, got a remote on it. And I told the guys on the TV show, I was like, I'm going to point it and I'm going to make it turn red. And that's, mm-hmm. a, I mean, that's all I'm promising. If I can yeah. get good footage, I'll get good footage, but I want to kill this deer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I tried the happy medium mm-hmm. and, uh, it ended up biting me in the butt mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, but, oh. So I find this deer, and before we even get to that point, I got to try to figure out how to hunt him. He's showing up every day, and he's daylighting. Well, he hadn't even really daylighted yet. I just I just find him, so I'm like, okay, I got to do something in case he daylights. Mm-hmm. So I went and I took some T posts and some rebar out there, and I drove two T posts in the ground with the with T post driver, and I cut me down two evergreen trees that are about six seven foot tall. And as opposed to that, I drove in the ground on the back side of the terrace, it's got briars all over the front side of it. And you can see the trails, how, how these deer are funneling around these thick briars. Mm-hmm. Like it's got them funneled in away from where I'm going to be. I'm going to have to shoot over the top of the briars down to where my corn's at. And, uh, the way that the briars were, it laid out pretty good. And, uh, so I drive these T posts in the ground and rebar and I got, evergreen trees zip tied to everything and zip tied to each other give me a little bit of background cover and uh chris hammond actually came down and i was like man i got it the deer only daylighted in the mornings so i was like i got to try to get in undetected and i knew i could work the rise of this hill i messed up and the lat the time before i hunted it the first time i moved my corn pile to the west by about six yards. I didn't care if I got pictures of the deer anymore, but I wanted to get him out of this little hole that I had him in. Mm-hmm. That way I maybe wouldn't hit the briars that I have to shoot over. And I have to like get on my knees and, and erect, get, get upright on my knees to shoot over these briars. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't take into consideration the way that I, I laid it all out. I entered the set with all of my evergreen trees and them T posts lined up with me in my corn pile. That way, if there were deer on my corn, I could have my, my blind as cover mm-hmm. walking, sneaking in. I could just sneak right in the back door. I, I always try to line everything up to where 
I got cover, mm-hmm. you know, because deer could see way better than us at nighttime. Yeah. And uh, that next morning, Chris comes in with me, and we go to sneaking in there, and there were two little bucks. I didn't have, I didn't see them until later, but there were two little bucks on my corner, not in front of the camera, and they spooked. And the the buck comes off the wheat, the big deer comes off the wheat field, and he beds down in this waterway between my corn pile and the thick stuff to the east. And then right around daylight, he gets up, he comes and eats on the corn, and then he he goes over to the thick stuff to the east. It's just what I've been seeing mm-hmm. him do, you know, watching him on game cameras, and I've stood out there and glassed a few times, but. Anyway, I spooked them deer. These deer run to the west, and he doesn't show up that morning. So, so we bumped him, mm-hmm. um, which is that's the very first time hunting him. We bumped him, and it's just a bad deal. But um, I continued to hunt. I left him alone for no. I don't even think I left him alone. I went in and hunted him the very next morning, also. Mm. But I got in there. I I've seen, I seen what I had to do, walking out that day. Like I have to crawl seventy yards. If I, as long as I crawl on my hands and knees seventy yards, I can get into the back door of my blind mm-hmm. without them seeing me. If they're on the north side of this whole terrace, I just can't stand up and walk in. Mm-hmm. So I stand. So I I start crawling in and out of this set. Um, for that that's. Uh, that Saturday evening and that Sunday morning and Sunday evening mm-hmm. and then the next day that Monday the wind shifted for a south well I didn't have a south wind set but you probably know as well as I know that the very first south wind after a cold 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 front is a money day mm-hmm. so I talked to Chris and Scott and I come up with a game plan I'm walking around the whole mile section so I park truck and I walk around the whole mile section and walk circles around them and come up through the ditch and I come up the backside of this hill and there was an evergreen tree out there and these deer were using my two track that I drive in and throw out when they'd come weed a lot of times they'd they'd just walk that two track that I drive in through the tall weeds they'd walk use it mm-hmm. and I'm like this is going to be good you know I, I snuck all the way from around it and get get in and uh, it's a uh, it's not legal. It's five minutes before legal shooting light, and I turn my video camera on. I'm like, this is going to be a cool time lapse because the the scenery was beautiful. You know, the sky was pink that morning. The clouds were perfect. Everything was just gorgeous. I'm like, I'm going to do a time lapse. All right, I got plenty of battery and plenty of film, so I start videoing like five minutes before legal shooting light. And in this blind, I just lop the tops of these evergreen trees to where I can stand up in here, and then the briars are still almost chest high in front of me so i can't sit down in a stool i can't even see out of my little cubby hole that i that i made that morning i didn't know what it was but i have to stand up so i got my my video camera you know set to for standing up and whatnot and i start videoing and it gets legal shooting light. i'm looking at the clock and i'm i'm glassing around with my binoculars over there because i'm 60 probably yards away from my corn pile and cell phone camera and about that time, I looked to my right, and that deer standing 15 yards from me. Mm. And I'm like, holy cow. I don't even have my bow in my hand. So I reached down. I got my bow. I had it leaned down. I'd already picked it up, pulled it back. I don't know how many times, several to make sure I wasn't going to hit nothing. Mm-hmm. I get my bow picked up, and I turn the video camera over there, and it's tucked back into this evergreen so far that when I turned it to the right, all I could see was evergreen trees. Mm. 
And this deer's broadside looking down the waterway to the west, 15 yards, nothing between him and I. Mm -hmm. I just can't get him on video. Mm. And I'm like, that's all right. He, I, I've already got, I've already got the wind beat because he's he's straight, he's straight crosswind. I mean, headed, headed to the south. Wind beat. Mm-hmm. Um, I just gotta let him walk up here in frame. Well, he goes to walking up here in frame, and I'm, I'm not very far from the interstate, so it's pretty loud. Mm-hmm. He gets in frame, and I look at my, I, I pull back. He gets in frame. I look at my camera, and I'm mad at him. And he don't stop. And I'm mad at him again. And I looked at the camera and he was still on frame and I'm sending it, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 30 yards, something like that. I hit the scramble button and sure enough, I hit it. And and I hit this deer and he takes off running. And I see my air hand out of him. And, you know, everything happened so fast. And, you know, we're just two minutes in the legal shooting light. Mm-hmm. So it's still low light. And I thought I smoked him. Mm-hmm. I thought that's it. Man. In fact, I go with it still running and tell him I smoke him. And he was like, are you kidding? I was like, no. I was like, dude, he was 12 yards from me. He wasn't in frame. I had to let him walk by me. You know, I tell him the whole story. And I was like, I, I, he was still walking when I shot him. I couldn't get him to stop. Like, I, I really thought that. Mm-hmm. Like, fresh right off the, the print, that's what I told him. And then when you slow it down and watch the video, sure enough, the deer did stop. Mm. You know, I was just in... I, I guess I panicked a little bit when he didn't stop and I hit the scramble button and I was looking to see if he's in frame. And anyway, he sure enough did stop. And then he ducked, mm. he ducked about six inches that, uh, you know, that, that broke me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I find my arrow about 30 yards. I find my arrow about 30 yards down the trail and there's only about six inches of arrow in him. Mm. And, uh, I showed Chris and them the video. I sent it to him and they're like, dude, he's dead. It looks like, it looks like it's good. And I was like, man, I didn't get no penetration. I said, I don't know. So they drove in from one of them was in Guthrie and one of them was in Edmond and they drove down there and we went to looking and, and very little blood on, on my arrow. We were thinking maybe I just went in and hit the offside shoulder mm-hmm. and it ended up that that wasn't the case. Um, I was sick, mm-hmm. you know, biggest typical, and it was horrible footage. Um, but it was footage of a giant typical deer yeah. that I you know, found and, and that and so okay. so anyway, this that was December the twenty that was December the twenty third when I shot this deer and man, five days later on the twenty sixth the deer shows back up on camera and just back in the morning and he appears and you know, I was like, geez, you know, all right, throwing a horn to him. I start watching, watching the camera. As a matter of fact, I put another cell phone camera on there and uh, start trying to get a pattern. And on January the second, uh, it was spring cold and there was there was ice on the ground. It was just brutally cold. I haven't never seen him. Seen quite a few deer picked him up. And then I got in there early that evening, and I was covered up in deer. I had deer just all over me. Uh, a couple pretty nice, but I stepped up to a 140-inch 10-point. You know, but between finding this deer and all of this, I stepped up to a 140-inch 10-point, which is one of the big things that. The same of the second, he comes in early, sun up. Sun up, and I'm videoing this deer for probably seven minutes, I think. 
I got an excellent side video of this deer and up to my pile. And uh, I range him, and he's 42 yards. And I dial my HHA in, and I get on my everything's great. And this deer turns around to look at another buck that's walking up. And I went to full back, and my dealer breaks in half. And my arrow just falls out there about 10 yards, and the deer runs out of my life forever. <laughs> my lip, bloodied my nose. I mean, there were a lot of choice words said right then. Uh, I cried a little bit. I, I couldn't believe that I'd got myself in a situation for a second to like that. And then of all things, my dealer breaks. Mm. Um, I mean, I've got thousands and thousands of arrows. I don't know how many different bows and I've never even. Mm-hmm. And they always say that it'll happen, you know, when at the worst time possible. <laughs> and, you know, here it is. Yep. Here it is. I'm here to tell you. Mm. Uh, don't say it'll be all right because it it may not be all right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sick me, sick. Yep. sick. Um, I chased him until the very last day of season. The last day of season, another another great cold front came in. It snowed. It was the coldest year I had. I think I seen nine different bucks, and at the very last seven minutes, I've got five bucks in front of me, um, and they turned they all went to the north you know like they do when somebody else is coming i'm like he comes and a daggum bobcat comes walking out of the trail and walks up there and, and scatters them all and that was the end of my season so it was rough mm-hmm. um, but we still in fourth place all bow hunting league um i picked Another two pieces of property that I learned a lot about around this property. I never stepped foot on it until December the 10th. Mm-hmm. So um, I collected a lot of data on this piece of property for the coming season mm-hmm. and the other property. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it's sickening. Mm-hmm. I, I, very seldom do I find a giant, a big deer like that in killing the fish. Mm-hmm. And I keep you know, it's unfortunate. To, and you can see in the video during the daytime, I hit him high. It was great. High. I don't know how it didn't spine him. Did I send you the pictures of that where, where my arrow went in? Uh, I don't think you did. You sent me a couple of pictures and you sent me the video you took of him that morning, but I don't think I saw the the arrow. Yeah, I'm. it's, it's unbelievable that it didn't spine actually that high. Um, but... I hope I hope it doesn't him up for next year because he's he's something else. He's a deer. Um, hopefully, hopefully this year um, I'll be able to redeem myself with with that deer. It would be a really really cool story. Mm-hmm. It seems like I go through spells. I mean, this is like a I go through a loop. About years, I'll hit a deer high. And it's always high. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not ever a gut shot. It's not low or full board. It's just the duck. Mm-hmm. And I knew about the day I hunt crosswinds a lot, and I like to get up for about 35, 40 yards, and it's kind of disordered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get big deer in front of me, maybe 5 to 40 yards. Man, a deer could really duck a lot, or he could mm-hmm. maybe not duck so much. Mm-hmm. 
it's just hard. It, it's hard to hard to read their body language and be precise. And um, it's so unpredictable. You know, everybody says, you know, I hold that deer. And I, you get a pie plate 100 yards. Well, so can I. And put 30 yards. And he ducks six, six, eight inches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a non Yeah. But, yeah, it seems I like know. I have the same problem. I I hit most of my deer on the higher side. Uh, this year, the the buck I shot with my bow as he was coming in, I was even whispering to myself, "Aim low, aim low," because I know I usually hit high, and I still hit him high. <laughs> so, got him killed, yep. but just you know, higher than I would have liked. Right. But. Quick and they are. Um, that's my season in a nutshell. It, it was it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, as a team, we did good on the bow hunt league. And if you guys haven't checked out the bow hunt league, check it out. It's mm-hmm. a very it's fairly new. Was it four years old? Um, it's huge nationwide. It doesn't cost you anything to get in. And I'm not trying to promote bow hunt league, but man, it's a really cool mm-hmm. it's a really cool uh, program. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody on the Facebook page is is all for you. Every Everybody's It's a fun little deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had uh, I had been on last uh, September, August, September, something like that, uh, to talk about it, and I, I entered it with my brother and a buddy this year, and uh, we obviously didn't do. What's funny though is I, I was the only one out of the three of us that entered a buck, and I think we still came in like two hundred and twentieth out of the seven hundred or something like that. Um, and so, yeah. uh, you know, and that's something I'd tell people. You know, one, don't be afraid to enter it. Uh, and two, you know, my buck wasn't even that big and we still did like, you know, somewhat decent. And so if you got some buddies that are killers, um, you know, or just want to do it for fun, there's great prizes. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth your time for sure. Oh yeah. I like it. I like keeping up with it. I like seeing when the deer are killed. I mm-hmm. like seeing, I love the way that Ben and them break down the different States, mm-hmm. you know, especially for the traveling hunter, the, the guy that wants to know, okay, well, I want to big buck but a good percentage of playing a, a buck for my money you know mm-hmm. it, they break it down to where your biggest bucks are killed your most bucks are killed mm-hmm. your you know the percentages per hunter um i mean they got it broke down to where you you can kind of shop around and figure out what state you might want to go to mm-hmm. and what to look forward to mm-hmm. yep and oklahoma was pretty well uh represented this year in the in the on the leaderboard yeah, yeah, we were. We we did good. Um and we man, I've I've got lucky. Chris Hamilton yeah, and I don't know if you know him, but you ought to throw him on here one day. He shoots mm-hmm. pro for Matthews mm-hmm. and uh, and Scott Langley, we met him on the three D range as well. Mm-hmm. And Scott's a killer. Mm-hmm. Scott's a traveler, Scott's got the time and the money to go and travel and hunt whenever, whatever he wants. And he is a flat-out killer. He's a great shot. He's very intelligent with the deer. And uh, and Chris Hammond, you know, he he's he's the one that actually got me to shooting big deer. Hmm. I've always kind of hunted deer. You know, against deer, I got a bow in my hand. I'm I'm killing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I killed a big deer with my bow, and Chris was like, "It's time for you to quit your deer." Mm-hmm. And I'm like. I just want to shoot deer. And he's like, you can still shoot, but don't shoot little bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh-huh. But I mean, it, it started my own hobby. Like I, I think it's, I think the deer hunting is about like myself. 
them in three different categories. I got the guy who runs the game cameras and finds them. Mm-hmm. And then I got the guy who makes a set to get me in the situation to have this deer. And then I got the poor guy who's got to actually go in and clutch up and make the shot, you know, when it counts. Uh, so I kind of break it into three different categories. And, and I love finding them, and I love making sets. Um, too, but sure, it's tough. And then you throw that beauty you know, on top of it, mm-hmm. and it, it limits me. Um, it's hard, you know, like you said, you videoing for, and it's hard. Mm-hmm carrying that stuff running to some places mm-hmm. um you know and you got to take it day in day out every single time if you don't take it something's going to happen and mm-hmm. and i i think i think what the juice i really enjoy you know uh, getting my uh, my story on video mm-hmm. really. so yeah my that's my dear I'm glad you waited. I put me impressed <laughs> over the giant ten point. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but now it's still a heck of a season, and you know, part of the reason I asked you to come on and and share the hard stories because you are, you know, a very accomplished deer hunter. Um, you've killed a lot of great deer. You killed one this year. Um, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. It doesn't work out. Um. But I think the most important thing is just, you know, you learn from it. Uh, you know, I, I told you, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was 2018. I ate a big old bag of, or bowl of tag soup here in Oklahoma. Didn't kill a single buck. Um, but my next, you know, couple seasons after that have been some of my best because I, I think I just got more motivated. Um, I really kind of went back to basics, you know, learned that, hey, I can't just go out there and sit in a tree and kill something. You, you got to really go after them. Uh, and so, yeah, I hope you, right, have, right. I hope you have another encounter with that giant 10 this coming year. I do too. You know, and, and just like you said, I think it's just as important to know when not to hunt mm-hmm. as it is when you hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's what I would tell a lot of the young hunters the most. Um, if it's not right, you're going out there and you're educating a big deer and, and it don't take very long and a big deer, he's done. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play the games that the more immature deer do. And I mean, that's probably my, what I would, what I would stress on the most for, for some of the new hunters that are trying to hunt big deer. It, it's not when you, it's not just when you hunt, it's when you don't hunt also. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's one of the hardest lessons to learn, especially if you're a weekend warrior, you know, you get two, two or three days to hunt a week and you want to hunt, but, uh, sometimes you just got to sit out or at least go somewhere, you know, where you're going to be less intrusive, you know, and just let that big buck be for right. a little bit. So, right. Yep. Yep. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Well, Dwayne, Dwayne, I appreciate well, it. Well, John, <laughs> I uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and you know, I, I'm going to consider this a little therapy session for you to get on here, talk about your problems, your feelings, and everything. And uh, I, I have a feeling you're going to come back strong f- from it. Yes, sir. I'm going to do my best for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming on and telling your story. And uh, like I said, I think you're going to get back at it. Uh, oh, real quick before we go, why don't you get, tell everybody where they can uh, find you on Facebook and Instagram and everything. Uh, my big hunting. Uh, my Instagram is, I don't know what, DCH, I think, <laughs> Carter, 224, I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. Um, you can watch you can watch my YouTube videos on DCH. You may have to put in DCH hunting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then I'll be on Outdoor Nation TV this spring. Awesome. Awesome. All righty, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Yes, sir. And that is how we do it, folks. Another great episode in the books. Thank you, Dwayne, for coming on and telling a, a story that probably is not that easy to relive. Uh, I've been there. I've I've hit the big deer, not made that perfect shot, uh, was unable to recover, and it's just not fun. Um, so thank you for coming on and reliving that for the rest of us to learn something from it. Uh, man, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I haven't thanked you guys in a while just for your support. Um, again, I wouldn't be here doing this if you guys weren't out there listening to it. Uh, our numbers are going crazy. The entire Sportsman's Nation is just off the charts recently, guys. So thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, I really hope you guys are enjoying this because I love doing it. So thank you guys. Huge shout out. Like I said, I hope I got to meet some of you guys at the Backwoods Show this coming weekend. Um, if you have an exciting story out there that you think would be a great episode, Hit me up on social media, and uh, and we'll see about getting you on the podcast. I think that's pretty much all I have for this week, guys. Once again, thank you, guys. I hope I got to meet some of you. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. 